0: And welcome to another episode of Tap That. I am here today with Faye Chan. Welcome, Faye. Hello,
1: Lane. Thanks
0: for having me. Thank you for being here. So, Faye, would you mind giving a bit of an
1: introduction for yourself? Okay, I'm Faye. I'm a Clinical Certified EFT Tapping Practitioner. And I'm also a mentor for EFT Universe where you can get certified to become a practitioner. So I'm helping those that are certifying um, refine their notes and discern their session notes and then go from there. So what I do is that I tap with people. <laughs> um, what normal, how people normally find me and who normally finds me are working mums.
0: Okay. Working
1: mums end up finding me first. And then they'll go, can you work with my child? Or or they'll go, can you work with my partner slash husband?
0: Yeah, I'm really interested to hear about the uh, husband element because I know that it's been a topic that we've spoken about on this podcast before about men and tapping and why it's been such a challenge for them to try and tap into their emotions. So I'm really keen to chat to you more about that. But first, how did you get into tapping?
1: It was through my previous business as a budgeting consultant, so I helped households budgeted, right. And Mm -hmm. I used to work for a financial company to do that with customers way back when I got pregnant, had my child and didn't want to return back to work because it just didn't work for me. So Mm -hmm. I opened up my own sort of budgeting consultation service to help families with the ins and outs of their budget, you know, how much they spend, how much they earn, how much they save or how much they shouldn't spend (laughs) to get their budgets back to the green, right, rather than being red. However, it was frustrating dealing with people about money because as much as we can talk about money and the, you know, this is how much you've got minus this is what you're left over. A great six can do a budget for you. However, when it came to people coughing up their numbers, regurgitating their expenses onto a spreadsheet, telling their whole life in a numerical way, was really confronting for them. Mm. And so what gripped them was the meaning they made having money or not having ma- having money mean mm. rather than dealing with the strategy. Yes. So they were really all choked up in trying to see me. And I, I also had a client that, that said, Faye, I'd rather be naked in front of you than just show you my numbers. Yeah, because it really is that confronting for me." Yeah. So I was dealing with the emotion. I wasn't dealing with the strategy. Mm. And given my personal development background, I knew I could address. The emotional stuff quite easily. And so I decided to change pipelines from the strategic across to the emotional pipeline. And because I've been in the conversation of breakthroughs, of understanding your past, holding you back, all that stuff, mm-hmm. it was that's a really easy transition for me. And it, you know, it's a matter of me certifying as a practitioner, but the breadth of knowledge and know-how and how I listen came from my personal development background. So that's how how I became a tapping practitioner.
0: That's really cool. It's so um, polarising in a sense going from, you know, data and numbers to getting more into the holistic emotional side of things.
1: Yeah, I guess it was more money mindset. Mm -hmm. Because data and numbers is the access yeah to transformation right but what the hurdles you have got to break through is a mindset an emotional thing
0: yeah so i was hoping
1: that will be the vehicle for transformation but obviously it wasn't for me yeah
0: cool well thank you for sharing a bit about how you got into eft so what's it like working with you
1: Faye? oh gosh you should <laughs> you read my reviews <laughs> um <laughs> I don't let people off the hook Mm -hmm. and I trust intuitively of what comes up as much as I'm using clinical EFT technique and I might skip meander from one thing to another, to another, to another, depending on what shows up. Mm -hmm. If I hear something that's in between the words and I know that I need to go there, I'll go there. Yeah. Right. And often, not, not often, always, It's I hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I do say that all my clients are willing and courageous
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, because it's not easy to meet yourself and to meet your own mirror yeah absolutely so that's what it is to work with me as much as I can be jovial I can laugh at things I can be insignificant about the attachments right and to make light of it so it's easier to let go of yeah um, it can be quite confronting tapping with me
0: I love that I love that openness and honesty right there like hey you want to work with me you got to get in here and do the work I'm not hand-holding or anything like that
1: yeah why don't you corporate? a C level corporate say to me, is there anything else I need to know about working with you? I say you gotta have courage. <laughs> You don't come with courage. You're not going to like tapping with me. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you're so right in saying that when you say that your clients are courageous. To get yourself into a position where you're actually sitting in front of someone, tapping, speaking about things that maybe you've never, ever told anyone before. Mm. That's a huge step. And a lot of people can't even get themselves to that point to seek out the the support. Yeah,
1: exactly. I
0: love it. So you're saying that you do work with mothers are there any other kind of clients that you attract and, and why do they want to work with you it's
1: usually the working mothers first mm. and other entrepreneurs too yeah I meet a lot of people through networking circles It's strange often I get people getting in touch with me after meeting me for the first time or literally just coming across a Facebook post yeah and somehow something about the post resonates and then they give me a call, not yeah. that, not because they've they've followed me for two years, and some of them have. They'll just call, and so they innately trust what's touched, moved, and inspired them into action. Yeah, so I'll work with gosh, what sort of topics come and find me lately? It's been grief that's been showing up for people, okay. um, emotional eating, emotional drinking, okay, yeah. anxieties find me a lot of money mindset. Um, because, and a lot of physical chronic ailments that keep repeating, regardless of what physical and health practitioner they go see. Yeah. I went with children with sleep anxieties, with school refusal, or what seems like school refusal, mm-hmm. um, with anger issues. And because I'm like Auntie Faye with them across the screen, they tend to just tell me things that the parents never know about or yeah. only find out once they've talked with me. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so can I ask then, like working with the children, what is kind of the boundary settings that you have to put in place in terms of what you can and can't talk to the parents about?
1: Well, if the kids are under twelve or thirteen, then then I just talk to the parents. Mm-hmm. If they are a teenager, like above 13 years old, I get their permission to share with their parents. Yeah. Um, and they're okay with that. Mm. Because a lot, a lot of them, if you eventually end up tapping with me and you're a teenager and you're willing out of mum or dad's suggestion, that already tells me something about the working relationship and the family relationship they have. Mm-hmm. And the rapport that they have, and the relatedness that they have, yeah, right. And debriefing with the with the parents afterwards, I usually will will say, "Do you want me to share this part or that memory or not?" Mm-hmm. And they'll say, "Yay or not or nay." But most of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, it's like, "Yep, tell mom everything." Doesn't matter yeah. what she knows. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like right. it. You did
0: um, mention something earlier about children having that refusal element of going to school. And I'm really curious, and I'm sure a lot of listeners who are parents would be curious to know as well, is what is some of maybe the root cause or reoccurring themes that you're seeing in children
1: that don't want to go to school? Um, Usually it's a meaning they've attached to what is in the environment or what's going on in the environment, okay? Now, the environment's the reflector, so it could be bullying issues. It could be they didn't enjoy themselves in in some capacity with a teacher or um, what's been fed back to them is that because of the last two years of homeschooling and remote schooling that they've had to, they're a bit behind in their reading or a bit behind in their writing and they've got a special class that they go to to support the kids in that, which happens in grade one, two and three, right, or even four, yeah, five yeah. and six. And then they might think to themselves, I'm really dumb, but not really share that with, my, with the parents because they yeah. still have to go to this class outside of school outside their normal classroom and they think I'm really dumb. Mm-hmm. But that exacerbates as anger, as school mm-hmm. refusal, as tantrums, mm-hmm. as re- you know, being a real petulant child. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know what's going on. But those are the exhibited above the water, 10% of the iceberg. Yeah. Before you really dig and it's like, well, I go to this other class because I have to catch up with my reading. I must be dumb. Mm. Which isn't, right? It's due to the last two years of the pandemic that's really put regressed children's development. Yeah. Right. So it could be that or it could be a school thing. It could be a um a trauma from a from a childhood memory or childhood experience that mom didn't come back to your dance lesson to pick you up and 45 minutes felt like two and a half hours. Yeah. (laughs) right and then you think every single school drop off my mum's not going to come to pick me up my mum's not going to pick me up now that looks like school refusal but what's going on is a is a memory traumatic memory about mum thinking that mum's not going to turn up as a four-year-old
0: yeah
1: right so it's a four-year-old translation yeah that's exacerbating so anything and everything could be could be coming up but since the last two years of remote schooling, especially here in Melbourne, Victoria, I've seen a lot more students um, just refusing to go to school. Yeah, yeah, and the parents are at wit's ends.
0: Don't so blame them. I mean, as you said, Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia—that's where I am too. It um, definitely was a trying time, and and for kids especially. So, you know, I don't think that we're going to really understand what has occurred. Just yet, I think that in a couple of years' time, it's going to be quite frightening to see what's resulted as, as you know, the last few years unfolded.
1: Yeah, because I think all our stress levels, especially the adults, are still um, high enough to hold everything at bay <laughs> to yeah. survive and, and, and thrive, so to speak. Yeah. However, once this sort of blows over or another thing takes over, and we start relaxing and easing back into what we think is okay, that's when all the chronic illnesses or anxiety is going to creep back up. Yeah. And we'll see a surge at that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be interesting frightening hopefully you know the the one thing i really like about our current situation and and what happened over the last few years is that people were trying to find different alternative ways to kind of cope that were outside of that normal going to the gp for stress and anxiety and people started looking at more holistic approaches and mm-hmm. honestly that's how i fell into to eft so i really love that um yeah people more people are trying different alternate things that are going to help them so
1: yeah exactly and people are a lot more open now yeah so that's absolutely. a positive thing
0: Yeah, definitely. The openness to try something new is I think part of that courageous piece that we were talking about earlier, opening your mind up to just trying something a little bit different. Like it doesn't (laughs) doesn't have to be the same thing as, you know, your best friend's trying or what you've been told to do. It's about finding an approach or something that's going to work for you as the individual.
1: Yeah, it does take being willing, you know and um and often it comes from within and their intuition or their gut saying something and it's about building up that trust because that's been dispersed really like with with the busyness of life and with the very mainstream approach to everything um, um the guts dissipated or taken a backseat. Yeah, and
0: you were saying earlier that you like to tap into your intuition when you're in the EFT sessions. So, you know, as someone I really struggled to listen to my intuition growing up, it wasn't something that I was aware of or in tune with. Do you have any
1: advice for people that want to tap into their intuition a little bit more? Just start listening to their body. Their body is a communicative instrument and um, and it will tell you what it needs if you're willing to listen so inside a tapping session sometimes I will ask the body what it needs to be acknowledged what it needs to be realized what difference um what would make the difference right now yeah and often it'll come up or often all of a sudden there's a headache or there's a stab in the back or the knees feel weird and you just got to look into that and see what it's actually trying to communicate and for me i mean this is this is an overnight my into i started listening to my own intuition via a personal development course back in 2004 okay. so i'm not an overnight success it's <laughs> taken 18 years
0: yes yeah right
1: yeah. but you have to refine discern test fail make mistakes do the left turn instead of the right turn when your gut says do right. Get into trouble and then go ah oh, right. But that will take time. That will take testing. That will take years. Mm-hmm. People aren't just aren't willing these days.
0: No, we're in the moment of you know it's we want it now and yeah, we yeah. It now we actually wanted it yesterday. So you
1: yeah know. and. But because I've given the time for for me to listen and leaving corporate back in 2004, 2005, that was when I listened to what I felt in in what was triggered inside the personal development course I did. And I listened and I quit without any other job to go to. And, you know, being someone from an Asian background, That was just like unheard of, right? So you need to be willing to defy yourself, to bankrupt elements of your personality that you think is actually your programming, your truth, the social expectations, cultural expectations, the norms. So that will take, I mean, if it takes three generations to break something inside a a dynamic of it goes from generation to generation or take a three-generation cycle, you will at least take years yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like for people listening to the gut, it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. But you need to test and refine and discern, and test and refine and discern. It's saying, don't go out with this guy, but you do. But four years later, you're you're divorced with with two children. Well, that's your lesson next. Yeah. But then you're gonna find the same guys turning up.
0: Yeah, and yeah. You don't
1: listen. So this intuition that people like positive mindset it's not a throwaway term it's actually a life lesson yeah yeah Yeah, it's not an overnight thing Mm. it will take decades
0: yeah and I think that's a really important reminder as well in in terms of like you said overnight success I'm like I'm not that I don't think anyone is because people don't see the the previous years and the previous build-up and how hard you worked and all that kind of stuff that turned you into this so-called overnight success and just (laughs) it's
1: not real it's not real (laughs) no no exactly but then people look at us down how my husband and I share our lives Mm -hmm. and they're like I want what you've got which is really a quite um an acknowledgement Mm -hmm. but if they want what we've got both of us he left corporate seven years ago eight years ago when my son was one year old Mm -hmm. like it's the worst time like financially to leave the corporate world. Yeah. Well, we did it. Well yeah. if it wasn't because of my budgeting background, we wouldn't have the savings that we would have to fill the gaps when we, we were under zero. Yeah. Right. So it takes that though. It takes that commitment. And then with, with people with a mortgage, two kids, three cars, whatever it is, they're not willing because it's too yeah. much of a risk. But yeah. then your gut will keep telling you. Mm. So I-
0: I totally resonate with that because my partner and I both left our jobs this year and I was in corporate government. My partner was also at his company, which was a global company. And and we both been at our jobs for eight years and the state of the world and what was going on. um, We just, Decided that we just couldn't do it anymore. We couldn't live from a place that was putting money above our sovereignty and the things that we actually, you know, really wanted to do with our time freedom that we just weren't able to do. Well so done. we both stepped away from corporate this year. We both went, walked into very less paying jobs. And for myself, you know, almost pretty much no job. Um, and it was just a very interesting, interesting time. But the amount of joy and opportunity and time freedom that has been presented to us since leaving corporate has just been yeah. phenomenal. Like, wouldn't trade it for anything else. So, yeah, well done. Yeah. Thank you. And well done to you. Resonate deeply with that. So, I just had to <laughs> throw it in there. So, Faye, can you maybe talk about some of the services and things that you offer to clients, especially in, like, an online capacity? One-on-one tapping.
1: Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. One-on-one. Online capacity, one-on-one tapping. Yeah. Um, every now and then if I feel pulled to and called to, I'll do um, online workshops. Mm-hmm. So, I might, you know, I might open it up. It might tap about sleeping, anxiety, and um, and I'll open it up as a group tapping thing. Yeah. Um, but I haven't done group tapping ever since the first year of the pandemic. Yeah, and I haven't been really, really called to. There's been mm-hmm. inklings of it, but yeah. I know transformation works best one on one. Yeah. In the group situation, um, for me as a practitioner, as much as I can hold the space and the energy and the dynamic of it shifts together. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's frustrating for me that I can't because all these memories present themselves and you can't deep dive with every single one. So you have to just just do a general tap across it. Right. Um, Oh my gosh. It's like talking
0: to a mirror. I feel the same about group tapping. I just think that it's really, really challenging to, be present for each individual person and, and like we've said everyone's so unique in their own kind of memories and traumas and things that have happened to them it's really really challenging Yeah. Um, so that's why I definitely agree and love the more one-on-one sessions you see so much better progress too
1: yeah it really is and sure I can make more money if I do group tapping sessions mm. versus one-on-ones um and As much as there's a business or revenue validation for that, um, fulfillment-wise, it doesn't really carry me forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that, I think and hope the majority of EFT practitioners have got into this kind of space, yes, to make money, but ultimately to be in service to other people at the end of the day. And it's, yeah, Yeah. you're right. Like, yes, I could make uh, so much more money in terms of doing group tapping, but If it's not going to work for people, those people aren't going to come back anyway. So, you know, it's like, what does it matter?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But maybe one day I'll just do a general sleep anxiety one because I know a lot of people still have trouble sleeping, especially in the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. So where can we find you, Faye? I'm on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Instagram as Living Well With Faye, or one word, and Faye without the E. So Living Well With Faye. Um, You can find me on Google. So I've got a Google My Business page as such. Yeah, um, You can find me on LinkedIn um, mm-hmm. as Paige Han under my own name. And that's it, really, the social media. I don't have a website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been operating full-time, tapping without websites. So for all those people listening and going, <laughs> oh, I'm a new business. I need to pay someone $5,000 to establish my website. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm a fine demonstration, that you yeah. don't. Absolutely,
0: and then when you're starting out, like no one's going to be looking at your website anyway. Like I know that you you're not just starting out. It didn't mean that, like that. No, I all. get that, but it just meant when yeah, when people are starting out, you you definitely don't need to be forking out unnecessary
1: money. Um,
0: but yeah, yeah. and I it's... think
1: because this is my second business as such, I did have a have a website for budgeting one two three. Mm-hmm. And that was just really to capture, like, there was some landing pages there to capture the emails and what have you as a handout that I did, two handouts. However, it really didn't generate anything else other than emails. Mm -hmm. And when I started to transition across to EFT tapping, I knew that it was I just knew I need to build more of a social presence Yeah. Um, an understanding of the craft as mm-hmm. well as share my um, reviews from clients all the time. Yeah. Um, and the word of mouth has really worked well for me because mm. I've actually created the results for my clients that it works anyway and that's the best form of advertising yeah. when it comes from other people.
0: 100% agree. And I think that that's a really great piece of advice for new EFT practitioners that are just starting out. You know, your brand is your identity. It's who you are as an individual. And if you can get into a place where you are building community and having an online presence without necessarily having to have a website, then that's all good. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah people will do
0: a search on you anyway exactly if they're really <laughs> that keen to find out more about you they've probably punched your name into google already exactly like I did for Faye before this yeah. podcast <laughs> yeah but thank you so much Faye I so appreciate you coming on having a chat with me I'll make sure that I put all of your socials in the
1: show notes sure
0: thank you so much
1: thank you for having me really enjoyed thanks. the conversation lane yeah me too thanks Faye bye everyone